Hey kids, and welcome to this episode of Do The Kids Know? Um, This is the show where we talk about race, media, pop culture, and politics in Triple K Canada. I am one of your hosts, Kristen. On my screen is your other host, Prakash. Hello. Uh, And today, uh, wow, I am filled with pain, so I don't remember what we were talking about. We're doing a countdown of some sort. Prakash will take it away when we get there. Uh, (laughs) But before we get there... Um, we were talking about how CoStar read us this week. I'll go first because mine was two words uh, and I don't have my phone with me, but remembered it because it was only two words that made me go, wow, okay, CoStar, thanks. Um, <laughs> so earlier this week, CoStar told me to touch myself. Yeah. Uh, emotionally, physically? I don't know. It was only two words. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of people have, uh, you know, a lot of pent up issues that could be solved through masturbation, but. I don't know that mine are. Maybe it's telling you to like go, go for a massage. But that's massage yourself. somebody else massaging me. When I massage myself, it hurts. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a good hurt. I don't know. Maybe you have to like hurt through, let's hurt through the pain. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, but I know what you meant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, mine told me very rudely mm-hmm. to decide to be an interesting person. Oh, no. Oh, no. And oh, no. I'm just like, I, I truly do not know what more you want from me, CoStar. CoStar told you you're boring. Be more interesting. Just decide. I truly, like, could not <laughs> do any more things than I'm currently doing. Mm-hmm. I can really do the things I'm currently mm-hmm. doing. And what did I say in our Patreon post? We're now team doing the best we can. So Yeah. <sighs> Pain. So yeah, apparently apparently whatever I'm doing to Coaster is not good enough. No. So um Coaster said you're boring. Uh, Liven things that up. That was a deep cut into my psyche. Wow. A deep cut Pain. into mine also, because if you are boring, what am I? <laughs> well, I think there are a lot of people who are like, you know, very comfortable in um their orientation of a life of non-excitement, I will say. Yeah, non-excitement is great. Um, however, that is not me. No. And I'm deeply offended by this. Mm-hmm. And there are some ways in which I'm a little, bit, a little basic. You know, I do enjoy an iced coffee all year round. I have one right here with me. Let me just <laughs> take a sip. Some ASMR. Okay. But then that means that, like, um, exciting doesn't equal interesting. Well, I think there is a kind of, like, a fine line between exciting and interesting. I think often, like, things can be kind of conflated. Like, if you are someone... Do I think that video of, like, I can't remember her name now, but it's, like, a black woman on TikTok. She just, like, reacts to things. Uh, I was like, oh, wow, like, continue this activity or discontinue this activity. That's usually how she ends her videos. There's one where this guy is, like, mountain biking, I guess, but he's, like, it's all just, like, downhill on these, like, tiny little stretches of, like, not road, just, like, paths, fully just cliff diving Mm -hmm. off of his bicycle. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I am like, to me, that is, um, like, it's it's an exciting activity in that it creates adrenaline. But that's um, terrifying. It's, like, literally exciting the body. But to me, someone who does that is not interesting. Like, you are a fool. (laughs) You... 
you know, requires some deep spiritual inner work to be like, why do you feel the need to risk your life in this way? I mean, I feel like we could dive into, I was going to say something very rude. Um, you know, you know, <laughs> let me not. Into white culture? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just because, like, <laughs> whenever someone is really, really risking their life in a way that just, like, they don't have to, they seem to be white. I don't know. I don't know. It seems to be a part of white culture that, like, regular life isn't terrifying enough or stimulating enough because, you know, they're not just, like, in survival mode all the time. Um, and so in order to spice things up, they get into situations where they could die. And then they don't. And then they're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I didn't die. Let me do it again and let me do it more terrifying than before. Whereas, like, the rest of us are just like, I'm just trying to live. And they're like, living yeah. is boring. <laughs> I would like to die. I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. I'm sure this is like a universal thing where people of all, you know, cultures engage in these kinds of like risky behaviors. But I think there's something about like the televising of it mm -hmm. or like the, like, yeah, whenever I see it happen, um, like online, it's, it's always. It's always white people showing me that they almost died but didn't. I'm like, I didn't need yeah. to see this. I really didn't. And this is just like my PSA to everyone listening that. Hundreds of people every year, if not more, die from selfies because they get like too close to the cliff's edge and then take a photo or whatever. Or they like try to go somewhere where, you know, the photo op is going to be real nice and then they slip and fall and die or something Speaking happens. Speaking of, my sister and I were watching a show and it was about uh, engineering things maybe or bridges. Anyway, someone was talking about how there was a dude who, like, just died off of the bridge because he was, like, leaning back trying to get a, a TikTok and then fell and went splat. It's like, I think for every, you know, for all these, like, extreme sport videos that you see that, like, oh, like, that was cool that you rode your bike across, like, a tightrope across two skyscrapers. Like, good for you. Oh, my God. Um, I'm sure that there were a lot of uh, field attempts that we did not see because mm -hmm. it, ended in, it ended in horrific circumstances. Yeah. Anyway, but this is a good segue talking about um, this TV show because today, I don't know what the title is, but we are uh, going to revisit a topic from episode, no, from season one, where we talked about critiquing guilty pleasures, mm. this idea of guilty pleasures. Um, in which I don't know, I don't remember exactly what we talked about, um, but I remember like one one media that we had like um, critiqued, but then we both like watched and enjoyed was Brooklyn Nine Nine because mm -hmm. we were talking about guilty pleasure doesn't really exist, like things that you consume that make you happy and it's not hurting anybody else. Consume them; um, it's for you. you and that's what it is like there's no guilty pleasure because guilt comes from other people's expectations of you and if it's a pleasure it's a pleasure and that's it right but i think then like our conversation because yeah, yeah things like you know uh, people often feel like yeah quote-unquote guilty for watching like mm -hmm. trash quote-unquote tv like reality so, tv like, and that stuff reality tv yeah yeah things that are not like educational or like stimulating mm -hmm. with like a well-written plot or mystery or something like that yeah. but then i think that there was or at least I experienced my own kind of guilt and like enjoying watching and enjoying a show like Brooklyn Nine Nine, propaganda. which is yeah, police propaganda, propaganda. Mm -hmm. uh, I think as we as we discussed, and then recently on Twitter, recording this on July Fourth, so this is probably like around around the first of July. There was like this tweet that went viral for basically 
naming shows that were kind of doing this propaganda. A lot of dramas were listed, but then a lot of people also mentioned Brooklyn Nine-Nine mm-hmm. because it is such a kind of like quirky sitcom, like office comedy. Yeah. But then even when they have episodes that touch on issues of racism or police reform or whatever, that it continues to sort of like um, humanize like individual, like, I mean, I think it's good to humanize people, but like, um, like at no point really does the show kind of like fully engage with like the problems of like structural violence, racism within the police, mm-hmm. but they're like, oh, look, but if this cast of characters themselves are diverse and informed and progressive, like not that the show, I think intentionally has any kind of like, um, pro-police agenda. Also, at the time that it was being developed, like, probably, like, in the early 2010s, like, people were not thinking this critically. Um, like, people, I mean, like, white people, people who were, like, in Hollywood. But then part of why the show, like, came to its conclusion was because Andre Brower, mm-hmm. who plays Captain Holt, was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's irres- irresponsible. And, um, yeah, and then the very last season, they kind of, like, do start to address these things kind of, like, more... Yeah, more critically, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the last season, it's been out for over a year, so get into it. Uh, or don't, you can leave it behind. But one of the one of the members of the cast, like, leaves the police force. Well, I think, like, the character of Gina leaves, like, a couple of seasons before, but then one of the cops also leaves. And this raises some interesting questions. But all this to say, um, we are revisiting this question of TV and about, like, what makes good TV and how, for us as people of color, how like racial representations um, shape the way that we think about what makes good TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so this episode is inspired by uh, a tweet. As uh, this is <laughs> this is where we're going now okay. with the direction of the show. It really is at Danielle Nikki on Twitter. Asked on July third, you're teaching a TV course. What's the five quote unquote perfect shows you assign your students to study? Perfect is not defined, so we can think about it how, whichever ways we want to think about perfect TV. It could be through the cinematography, it could be through the plot, the casting, the characters. And I've seen the threat. I've already seen people, some, you know, or some of the comments. Oh, you cheated. So I'll let you go first. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was, I was quote unquote researching the topic. Um, but so I'll let you go first, and together we will come up with a list of five and um, okay. yeah, see how it goes. I'm going to be really, really big science fiction nerd at the moment and tell them to watch Star Trek Um, not it pains me to say this not original series oh my god and it pains me because original series is like I love it so much Kirk is ridiculous Spock is my favorite character ever Uhura is how do we not make them watch Uhura but apparently we aren't Um, yeah so not original series definitely not Star Trek Enterprise oh my god burn it to the ground oh my god um, not that one either, <laughs> but, um, an episode, oh, probably not Voyager either. Oh my God. Maybe I'm taking this back. There's just, okay. 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 So it would have to be that I would have to curate a list of Star Trek episodes to watch because like, I wouldn't want them to watch, um, original series because Kirk is annoying. So it would have to be, um, original series episodes where you get to see the beauty of like Sulu or Uhura or Spock, um, not Enterprise, burn it to the ground. It is the most American of the Star Treks. It's disgusting. Um, and I mean that with my whole body. 
Like, it's disgusting. Okay. Um, Voyager is okay, but there's specific characters on Voyager that I hate. So it wouldn't have to be not episodes related to them or not episodes where they are allowed to shine. Um, and the same with Next Generation. It would have to not be an episode with Q because Q is the worst character that has ever been written. And I stand by that statement. One. I hate Q with all of my body. Um, but there are episodes of Voyager and Next Generation that I love. And Deep Space Nine is... Uh, oh, maybe they should just watch Deep Space Nine. Hmm. I'm still standing by that. I would watch them... I would curate a list of Star Trek episodes for them to watch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you did that, I might give it a watch because I've never seen the show. I mean, I I don't know why I gasped so dramatically. I know you've never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I thought one of the movies was with like one of my friends or something. Um, um, one of the newer movies. The one with the one of the Chris's. Okay, yeah. So the newer movies. That's a a re of the original remake. There we go. It's like there's a there's a <laughs> supposed to be a verb there, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Your brain is not burning today, it's and really that's. Not. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, why would this be part of your chorus? What makes it uh, a quote-unquote perfect show? At least the episodes that you're, that you're going to curate for this list. Mm-hmm. Because Star Trek as a show in and of itself is so flawed. It promotes colonization. Like, we're going to explore the universe and, like, teach the rest of the uncivilized universe how to be civilized. Um, and so I think that in yeah it's so flawed that the things that they do with it are still pretty awesome like the alien species that's not the regular anyway um the way that they still are given a space to shine while buying into colonization it's kind of funny um anytime that they attempt a first contact but fuck it up those are also really funny um, but then there's also episodes where you can see like the Federation peeps don't fully commit to colonization themselves. And it's kind of hilarious because the whole premise of the show is we're going to colonize space. Like they don't say that, but they mean that like we're going to colonize space. Um, and so they interact with. Um, alien species who have never interacted with anyone other than themselves before and so they're like quote unquote behind and those episodes are particularly fun to yeah see the way that they interact with them Um, any episode where they interact with like a formidable force so like the Romulans or the Klingons those are also really funny because the Romulans and the Klingons also are colonizers and so watching colonizers interact with each other in space hilarious i think that there is really good character development um there are some really good like character specific shows as well so like in the midst of we are furthering colonization (laughs) in space for some reason um they are still also showing what makes humans human and developing characters in a way that is like really interesting and really nice to watch um and i think that having that happen when like you could have chosen literally anything to do in space and you chose to replicate what we've done on earth. Great. <laughs> um, yeah. I love it. 
also we could do a whole segue on just costuming and sex because for some reason every time they meet an alien species they sex them because somehow the sex pieces fit i don't i don't know (laughs) like how do Hmm. how do we have the right holes for the anyway uh there are many themes that we could pull out um in our pursuit of watching star trek I think it could literally be its own course. I am positive that there are existing university courses Mm -hmm. about Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Like sex in Star Trek could be its own course. It really could. Oh, I see. All right. Yeah. Let's get into it. (laughs) BA in Star Trek um, media criticism. Yeah. Yeah, to know that one of your top five is a show about colonization, but. Yeah. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, but, but I think it's also it's interesting, like how you mentioned, like when they are. Well, I've never seen this. I'm not really sure how like self aware they are about like the kind of like problematic rhetorics of colonization, but that they subverting that within certain episodes at least to mm-hmm. kind of like call attention to whether again whether intentional or not some of these like frictions. Like I'm gonna go with not intentional because like whenever they subvert the main plot, it's generally like a character development piece that has them subvert the main plot but i do think that it's like kind of like the idea of like this the six subversion for me to kind of critical in terms of shows i find interesting mm. like i often can't get behind a lot of the kind of like detective crime dramas because they all often like follow the same kind of plot points mm-hmm. so once you've seen one you've like kind of seen, seen them, them all, all in my opinion Okay, I'm not sure this is, like, doing the work of, like, direct subversion, but one of the shows I wanted to add to the list is Insecure, mm. uh, which I think we've discussed already at length on the show. But the reason why I think it's subversive is, if you notice in the show, the premise is that there is, like, um, this couple, um, Issa Rae, um, who plays the character of Issa D, and her boyfriend, Lawrence, um, played by Jay Ellis, and they're, like, approaching 30, a couple of, like, five years or some, like, long period of time. And there is, like, this kind of, like, friction within their relationship. And this kind of, like, sets off this show of, like, five seasons. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, you, like, sort of expect... I mean, this is, like, not, like, a unique or one-of-a-kind story. However, I think that the show really diverges from the traditional format by like exploring relationships in like really I think interesting and nuanced ways and across the five seasons it becomes really clear that the main storyline in fact or the main like love story is really between Issa and her best friend mm-hmm. Molly played by Yvonne Orji like rather than the storyline between her and Lawrence who have like a kind of tumultuous relationship across the five seasons yeah, I don't want to give any spoilers to people who haven't watched it, but I think that the way it really kind of like, I think it's going to have more common to sort of like blend the genres of comedy and drama. But I thought that this was done like particularly well in this show. Mm-hmm. Although the ending to me like felt, like felt a little bit flat, more into like the predictable category. Mm-hmm. I thought that every season I was really kind of like surprised to see the turns that it took. I think that there are some, I think a lot of shows when they want to yeah, be subversive will like, take like full like 180 curves or kind of do make the choices that are most extreme in the opposite direction to like create that kind of subversion mm-hmm. where this like works within the genre but like i think um 
does like good work at like pulling apart certain kind of the conventions of TV, like removing the focus from the romance to other kinds of relationships, the ways that the other characters, even those who are in the background, kind of have like much more like fleshed out stories. Mm-hmm. Of course, the the cast is like primarily black folk, and there are quite a number of shows that have like all black casts, but I think not very many are like, in my opinion, are doing are able to like really show like um a diversity of blackness within the cast and characters, but I think we really see quite a range um people like yeah with like differing opinions, styles, backgrounds like within you know the broad scope of blackness mm-hmm. and it doesn't often touch on them like super directly, but I think also like issues of like colorism, class do come up in the show, and if you're I think, like, more trained to see it than you see it. And if not, you can, I think, just kind of enjoy it more simply. Mm-hmm. There's lots of, like, cultural references about it in the show. Lots of really fun cameos. And there's a lot of attention paid to the details that I think makes it very interesting for re-watching. Because you can then spend more time just, like, looking at the scenes. Really beautiful cinematography, especially in the last season. Yeah, so shout out to Insecure. Oh, that's nice. Your next number. What's number three? Oh, God. Um... <laughs> okay so caveat that we are well i am limited by what tv i watch and if you know me you know that uh i'm very particular and once i love a thing i will obsess about it and rewatch it many 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 times um instead of finding something new to watch um and so of the things that i have watched recently or been rewatching recently um, something that I would put on this list as like really good TV is um, and shout out to the, the the friend who is watching this with me at a very slow pace because boundaries and pain and we're acknowledging all of that. Um, so the show is Killing Eve. I really, really enjoy it. I really, really enjoy it. Okay, interesting. It's so good. <laughs> I watched most of it until the last season. Yes, um, please don't spoil it. We haven't gotten there yet. I didn't finish it, and I'm okay. not going to. Probably. Oh, dang. Well, <laughs> so it would not be on your list. <laughs> um, I'm curious to know what, what you mm-hmm. like about it, but I know that the show has gotten a lot of criticism for engaging in queerbaiting. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar, usually when people talk about queerbaiting, they're referring to like, characters on a TV show or a movie that, like, are sort of, like, presented as if, like, they could be queer or have, like, some kind of, like, love or romance narrative between them, but then it never really comes to fruition. And this is sort of, like, used to bait queer audiences into watching a particular program. There's obviously a lot of tension between the character of Eve, who's, like, uh, if you've never seen it, she's kind of, she's an agent of MI5 or MI6 or something in the, in the UK, played by Sandra Oh. And this uh, international assassin named Villanelle, who was played by Jodie Corner, Comer, I can't remember, but who was in one of my favorite shows called My Mad Fat Diary, which didn't make it to the list, but it's a very good show. I <laughs> uh, would, would recommend. Yeah, what makes it stand out for you? Because I expected it to be much more procedural than it is. Because there's so much going on in every scene, like underlying, underneath the... Um, the the oh my god when people talk the dialogue shit 
Yeah, so there's so much happening outside of the dialogue. I think that the actors as well do such a really good job of like signaling things that we don't know are coming yet, but that are. Yeah, I think it's very, very well acted. Very, very well acted. Also, it's just pretty. Like, whoever's doing the cinematography, good job. Whoever's picking the outfits and the costumes, a great job. Um, yeah, I think really for me, it's the, the acting pulls me in. The queer baiting as, yes, it's definitely there. And it makes me laugh every time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's pulling you in. It got you. You're watching. I mean, I was watching before the queer baiting, but the queer baiting is also there and is a point of amusement for me. Um, because outside of the queer baiting, it's just the characters are great. The acting is top notch. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I also agree that thinking that the acting is really great. I love. I think it's a really really well cast. Mm-hmm. Um. Maybe maybe we'll revisit this conversation. Yeah. Let's revisit when I'm done. Yeah. Because like also caveat, I'm I'm not done watching it, but yeah, I will continue to watch it. Um. Uh, I think we're in the middle of season three. Okay, we've been talking for a bit, so maybe this episode will end here, and then we will do part two where we finish our list. In the meantime, if you, dear listeners, have things you'd like us to watch or mm-hmm. things that you think should make the list. Yeah, you're um, like, how dare you, can, you have not spoken about this? Let us know what that is. <laughs> yeah, you can DM us on Instagram or on Twitter. The handles are the little end credits. And yeah, until then, stay in the know. Bye. Bye. You can find us on these here internets, on the social medias, at the handle Do The Kids Know, or at dothekidsknow.ca. You can subscribe to our monthly newsletter at tinyletter.com slash dothekidsknow, and visit our Patreon to show your appreciation with one-time or monthly tips. If you've got questions, comments, or concerns, email us at dothekidsknow at gmail.com. And finally, please rate, review, and subscribe. That helps other kids stay in the know.